Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast here at Outsider. This is volume 22, 3, yeah, something 22. like that. 22. We have an awesome show for you guys this week. Uh, there's so much to discuss uh, that we'll have part two of Toby Keith for you guys, my conversation with him. I think this second half you guys are going to enjoy even more. Uh, it really seemed to pick up when we got to the second half of the interview. Uh, we'll get to that later in the show, but I can't wait to hear what you guys think about that. Uh, we got a cast of thousands per usual. Uh, Travis Rockhold is here. His Ohio State Buckeyes blew the doors off of the Michigan State Spartans. They hung 56 on them. Uh, C.J. Stroud went crazy. He's kind of good. And had six touchdowns in the first half. He had three, and he had three incompletions. Just an amazing performance. Uh, Wesley Blankenship's Georgia Bulldogs we don't, also score 56 points yeah. uh, against the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. A guy named Stetson Bennett can change Kirby's legacy. If, if, if uh, right. former walk on, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Can yep. win it all. Everything I just that's went happened. To Athens last week, Wes and I broke bread on Tuesday night and had a couple cocktails and solved the world's problems. And the next day <laughs> I had the great opportunity to sit not, with several guys, but, uh, and, and coaches. And, and one of them certainly was Stetson. And we had an, a conversation that genuinely floored me. I've interviewed so many different people, different kinds of people, athletes, entertainers, musicians, actors, whatever. Rarely are folks in the public eye that honest. He was strikingly honest about his path. I mean, look, this guy was a walk-on. He left and went to JUCO. He came back, and he's sitting behind JT Daniels. He is doing really well in spring ball. He doesn't win the job. But what I learned was that his peers and his teammates would – they would – lay on the tracks for that guy they would go to the end of the earth for that guy he's a different cat and i love it i love everything about his perspectives um he grew up dreaming of running out of the sanford stadium tunnel and just touching the grass it's all he ever wanted to do i think that's and now that uh element i think is one thing that while he may not have all the numbers of bryce young and you know, CJ Stroud, when you have a player that his childhood dream was to play for that team, that's hard to put a value on what that means and then the motivation and his work ethic and what that can do for a team. I think that's one thing that um, would I trade for him over to give my quarterback? No, but having that little piece there of growing up wanting to play there at that stadium, that's that's a huge thing for that team going forward. That's why it took so much Travis, guts to leave. So, Travis, to your point about the transfer portal's impact on quarterbacks, you know, unless you're Ryan Day or Kirby Smart and you've got five-star upon five-star in your quarterback room, if your starter goes down, you're screwed right now in college football. It's, it's similar to the NFL. Um, and that's why Stetson is an X-factor. He's not the five-star, but he's Wally Pip, JT Daniels to an extent to the point where you can't take the ball out of his hands unless Kirby finds himself in a situation 
similar to what he saw Nick Saban do in the Natty a few years ago with Tua Tungavailoa um, against an offense maybe that's a little bit more high-powered and, and Georgia's not able to put up enough points, maybe you go to JT. But right now, you can't take the ball out of Stetson's hands. I will tell you, one of the things that was so striking to me was when he said to me, I, maybe part of it's just stupidity, Marty. Maybe I'm just stupid enough to believe that nobody's better than me. I'm not going out there to prove anybody wrong. I'm not playing with a chip on my shoulder. I just believe that I'm the best guy for the job. I just believe that I'm the best player. And the way that he says it is not in a conceited way. It's in a self-confident way. And these days, that's so hard to do. And I just, um, I admire everything that he said to me. Um, I, he, 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 we talked about the impact of the pressure of being the Georgia quarterback in a year when, you know, Georgia fans are, have tremendous expectations all the time especially now because Kirby recruits at such a high level and there's five stars all over the program, dozens of them. And so I guess it's dozens of them. I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, w those expectations are, are very real and the weight of them is very real. And I was ignorant too. I shouldn't have been. This was naive of me. As well as Stetson is playing, I wouldn't expect him to be getting any grief from anybody, but he does. That's yeah. the world we're in. You know, that's the world we're in. So I just think that he, look, he's, he's proven a lot of people wrong this year. Not only has he done nothing but win, um, he's learned how to throw the football down the field. And uh, his QBR is very high. And, of course, he has really good running backs and an offensive line that's ridiculous. So, I, look, I, I asked him about Georgia's potential, too. And I think that they're in the mindset that if they play to their standard and it's not about the scoreboard, it's about the journey and the process, they can beat anybody. What Do you think, though, that he can win the game for Georgia in the playoffs or in the uh, SEC championship? Can he go out there and win the game for Georgia if need be? I mean, he has a defense that's averaging but, six and a half points a game. What, what's so, so that's my point is, so let's say that the defense isn't perfect and he ha and they have the ball and they're down you by can, it. You can let's, old takes expose me on this. I don't see it happening against this defense. I really don't. Alabama, Ohio State are the two teams that at this point I feel confident could outscore what Tennessee did, which was 17 points. That's the most that Georgia's given up this year. And I'll tell you, every single week, Monday through Friday, it's this is the team that's going to give Georgia's defense a challenge, finally. And then on Sunday morning, it's, well, maybe that offense wasn't that good. It's every week. Now, I'm not saying that Alabama and Ohio State aren't different dudes. They are. I mean, they are Georgia's match when it comes to recruiting. But the leadership that Jordan Davis has, PFF, all right? Look, Kirby Smart makes fun of them. They are criticized probably fairly so. Uh, I'm not a stat nerd, and I don't understand, you know, the ins and outs of what goes into their formulas, okay? 
I looked at a tweet today, though, that had three of Georgia's defensive tackles rated not the best three on Georgia's team, but the best three in the SEC. I mean, there is tangible proof and there's intangible proof when you have guys like Jordan Davis leading the band after his last game at Sanford Stadium. I mean, it just feels like a defense that you cannot crack. Does Stetson even need to be the guy to win a game? But I don't know if he'll be in that position. If he if he's needed to, are you confident as a fan to go down four with, let's just call it a minute 50 left, two timeouts? Can he lead Georgia down to score a touchdown? I have no proof that he can't at this point. So until he proves me wrong on that, I'm going to say that he can do it. It could happen. Uh, Ohio State is scoring at a very high clip. Alabama is scoring the football at, at a high and very efficient clip. Both of those offenses not only are explosive, but they're very efficient. And, you know, Saban has said that explosive plays are something that they need to, to, to have a few more of. They did that against Arkansas. Uh, Williams had a couple of, of home runs. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's it's something to behold. Travis, explain to us uh, the hatred. Uh, like on campus, they cross out all the M's all so, over the whole campus with so red X's. When I, I even was, saw on my boy Mark Pantone's Twitter feed that his church, his church X'd out the M's on the marquee. Matthew, Ark, morning. Luke, and John. Well, yeah, because yep. God, God asked them to do that, and God's a Buckeye. So uh, it's a hatred that, I mean, I'd be okay if we sold the state to Canada and, like, in return, they give us some beer or something back. I don't, I don't need them. Uh, I don't care for the state. I hate them. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt that says hang 100 on them because I uh, – Last year, Jim Harbaugh threw some accusations at Ryan Day. Ryan Day said, why don't you just worry about your own team? And then the rumor goes is Ryan Day told his team, there's not going to be a mercy rule and we're going to hang 100 on them. Uh, mm. So, and this has been, you know, we didn't get to play him last year because of COVID. So this is my favorite week of the year. I've already wow. watched the HBO documentary on the rivalry once. I'll watch it again before the game. Uh, you know, it's a high noon game. I love, I, you know, I, primetime games are cool, but as a fan, I just want to play the early window, get it over with. Uh, but I want to crush Well, that up. has a lot to do with your drinking habits as well. <laughs> uh, sorry, I broke the rule last this past week too with the tweeting, but I didn't expect yeah. CJ Stroud to throw double the amount of touchdowns to incompletion. So I had free time. But yeah, I hate them. I, I, I want nothing to do with them and I want to... You know, uh, Josh Gaddis, their offensive coordinator, a year ago, uh, he tweeted out during COVID, you know, they're they're working hard even though there's COVID going on. And uh, they're going to they, they found a blueprint and there was like a video of watching the highest <clears throat> state game. He since has deleted that tweet. Like, I, I want Do you to all get mad them. when other people who aren't Ohio State fans say Michigan instead of the team up north? No, you or can't. Or do you expect all of us to be no. in solidarity with you about that? No, I mean, that would be like, I don't, no, I can't expect you guys to embrace okay. the hatred Good. that I have. I mean, in college. It's not ingrained in us the way it is you. Yeah. 
Who yeah. do you hate, Wes? What team does Georgia hate? Florida and Auburn and Tennessee and Georgia Tech and Clemson. How, how many rivalries? Like <laughs> in there's, Alabama, there's no way that you can pour hatred into all of those. Oh yeah, we got enough. we got enough hate to go around. I don't. I don't. How does that work? You just wake up and like from August until December, you just you hate every, like you hate the team you're playing every week. It isn't every Georgia fan. That's the beauty of it. It's the Georgia fans in Dahlonega hate Tennessee. It's the Georgia fans in Who? Columbus hate Del- Auburn. Wait, hold on. Dahlonega? You don't want yeah, to. You, you don't want to who Dahlonega, dude. Ashley you're about to song, bro. Of, come on, man. Sounds like you're taking a, a little dive bar in Dahlonega. I, I took Dahlonega the right there. The gold on the Dahlonega is right down the road from Dawsonville, ain't it? Yes. <laughs> Travis, put some respect on the Travis. Nuggets, dude. No, no, no. I'm not disrespecting The newspaper in Dahlonega it. is called the Nugget because they're all about is their gold. Is it really? Yeah, the, the Dahlonega Nugget. They found gold? Delon- yeah, man. You can go to uh, Dahlonega and pan for gold. Are you serious? In yeah, like man. a river? Was this, river? was this like a field what trip what that every, every school in the like a 50-mile radius would always go on? How did you know on? this? Travis, I was about to say that. This was every kid's field trip you go to Dahlonega you go to this uh fine gem and gold mining tour and you pan for gold and you get a little vial about this big and it has a little fart of gold in it and because I knew because (laughs) one of the things that we'd always do early on we went to these like caverns you'd always go there and then once you got old enough the field trip was upgraded to Cedar Point which is just that's the I'm Wait, tell y'all went to Cedar Point for a field trip? Multiple what field you, trips. What are you learning? What are you learning there? <laughs> physics on the roller coaster? Velo- velocity and you uh, know physics and we went yeah. to Colonial Williamsburg in seventh grade. Yeah, it but that was, was in 1942, Marty. There was like, hey, I'm not that old, and I look a lot younger since I shaved my beard. Which, by the way, we're was the get, most polarizing that. thing that happened last week. Good Lord. So what, what were the field trips? I walked out on a Marty McGee set naked as a jaybird with my booty hanging out. We'll get to that. But what By the f- way, here's another tangent. Y'all know those hand warmer deals that you take hunting? Like you can put them yeah. in your pocket. You, yeah. You, know, you, 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 you do this with boots. them. Yeah, you put them in your boots. Well, our awesome production staff got me, got us. It was freezing cold in Tuscaloosa, so they got us the hand warmers. Okay. Well, I took boot warmers. I took four boot warmers. Okay. And I put two. They were sticky ones. So I stuck two in my back pockets of my suit pants. And I stuck two in my front pockets of my suit pants. And everything was fine until the show started. Once the show started and I sat down on the couch, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my Lord, this is burning my ass. You're roasting some chestnuts. Dude, my butt, I, I had to stand up in the middle, live on television in the middle of Marty McGee show and go, y'all, this is burning my butt. I'm sorry, I got to stand up. I could tell that there was like smoke rolling off of my cheek. And I had to get it, I was afraid I was going to get like a chemical burn. That's so, that's like gunpowder in a bag. That's what that it stuff is. is. It was yeah. scary, man. For the record, though, Hurt. Marty, you were always cold. It, like... Always. It, it could have been 50 degrees and you would have been cold. Well, shaving my beard didn't help that any. And so, all right, let's just dive into that for a minute. Everybody wants to know why I did it. 
we might have talked about this last week because y'all saw it really before anybody. There is no reason why I did it. I just I, I got home from the University of Tennessee, and I jumped in the shower, and I thought, you know what the hell? I'm going to shave my beard. I haven't shaved my beard in eight years or something, nine years, ten years. Mm. So I shaved my beard, and I walk out of the bedroom, and my wife sees me, and I got these, like, dimple things right here, okay? <laughs> right here, see those? My wife likes those. And she says to me, I have not seen those in so long, Martin. They're so cute. So here I am feeling real good about myself, right? I'm smelling my piss. And so I go down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and everybody, the first thing, everybody, like, I mean, deer in the headlights, you shave. You could have never met you could have came out and said uh, Nick Saban's retiring, and the story would have been written. Marty Smith was clean shaven. A few paragraphs down, oh yeah, Nick Saban retired because everybody was captivated on Twitter. I mean, I uh, see. I don't know about that. I don't know what they said on Twitter. I tried my best to stay away from. Such it was not, things. I didn't see anything bad, but everybody was just like. I did learn though from I think it was producer Randy said that somebody said Marty looks like a shinier version of Lyle Lovett. Who? Lyle Lovett. Julia Roberts' ex-husband, bro. I have no idea who that is. He's a Texas country, like, God. Well, I guess I have some homework to do. Isn't he Texas country? Where's Lyle Lovett? First, Brandon, uh, is, Ty, is he Texas country? I don't know. Absolutely correct. Yeah, that's what I thought. You're, Big time. You're knocking Delonica, and now you're taking down Lyle Lovett. And I just Googled this photo of Lyle Lovett. Do I, I look like V-Mix him? Can... Dude, he looks like he looks uh, like Edward Scissorhands a little bit in this picture yeah, I that I found. Am I, I can, more handsome no, than Lyle Lovett, boys? I, I, can, I can see it in the dimples. I can see it. There's, But, yeah, Wes, I think I took all, you, you, all that Southern that you said I had last week. I think I've officially. Yeah, you're, you're done, son. It's just crazy to me that that kind of thing, that kind of thing can have that kind of reaction. I, I didn't do it for any reaction. I certainly didn't expect any reaction, but it's everybody I saw. That's what they said. They couldn't believe it. Hmm. And uh, I didn't like it once I kind of saw myself. I have really, like, look how big my ears are. You've got, like, satellite dishes. My ears are humongous. They stick out to the side. <laughs> Poor Cameron got the same ones. This left one, it and and the masks, the the masks have accentuated. Pulls them. Oh, they're terrible. They pull them up. My ear protrudes from the side of my head. It's only exacerbated the problem. So, as a result, I never realized just how much my beard assisted me in shielding my huge ears. And so now I'm on the I'm in the process of growing it back. How long will it By take? By the time we get to Auburn, Alabama, down on the plains this weekend, it'll be back. No, wait, it doesn't well, take me long. It'll be back. I'm like to, a chia pet. It'll be back to what it was in two weeks. I, I'm like a chia pet, dude. You know how you take that like that seed resin that you put on the chia pet, and it just sprouts the clover. I never had a face. chia. Never. It, it never would went with one of those. Chia. It would take I had a me chia goat. It would take me months. I tried to at the start of COVID to see. After like a couple of weeks, I just had this uh, scruff that just looked like I was drunk, which I might have been. But I just I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I've never used an actual razor. I've only ever used an electric razor in my entire life. You've never oh. used like a Gillette Mach Five, and nope, never. Man. 
my daddy taught me when I was like 13, I think, or four. I didn't even have I didn't even have uh, hair on my face. But the my qu- daddy was like, "Come here, boy." The question is, who has <laughs> better to teach me? How many blades did he have on his razor? Uno, Jack. Because as we've gone a- on, <laughs> as we've gone on, it's gone from like two two little blades on that little piece, and now we've got like five blades. There's one on the back. It moves around your face with you. It yeah, it's is just—it's over the top. I can. Well, they work really well. I use an electric razor, and I can be done in like two minutes. But the question yeah. is, I just got a photo sent from Brandon—a uh, photo of Lyle Love. It. I want to know who has better hair, you or Lyle? I got really good hair, bro. Uh, his hair is—it looked like he stuck his finger in an outlet. That's what they say about me. I mean, all, people always talk about mine. I get Jimmy Neutron. Like, I made fun of myself this weekend. I said I kind of went from Jimmy Neutron to Max Headroom. But y'all two are too young to even know who Max Headroom is. So I know I who Max Headroom is. I think he peddled Pepsi Cola. I think he was a Pepsi uh, guy, and he was like animatronomated. Animatronic. What's the word? Anim- it's not animated. It's something else. I have no idea. And, yeah, he was just this um, digitized guy who had a clean-shaven face and swooped back hair. Did you know, and Marty? He became a phenomenon. I used to have a buzz cut. So did I, dude, When in high school. No, I had one like uh, 2015, 2016, I think. It's you got too I... good a head of hair for that. That's, a dis- that's the same as me, though. I mean, when... So when I was in high school, I had your your standard flat top haircut straight out of 1954. Mr. Clayton Dolinger at Barton's Barbershop cut every one of us. We all had the same haircut. It cost $3. <laughs> and if we beat Nara's, Blacksburg, Floyd County, and Fort Chiswell, we got it for free. Was that an NIL, was that an NIL deal? It was. <laughs> it was. All of us were certainly going to be Division One athletes. And on top of that, I grew up in one of those towns like Dahlonega where, listen, if the Dahlonega Red Devils, if they win, if they are competing for state championships, they ain't paying for their blizzards. How many, I'm sorry. Yeah. How, how many stoplights did you have in your town, Marty? Well, when I was growing up, we had two. <laughs> we had the one at Main Street. Well, there, we, we really only had one, but it was a four-way. So, yeah, that's, that only counts as one. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's one. And now, now they have two because we got a Walmart. <laughs> How? Wait, so didn't you have to drive over the mountain to go to like Sam's Club or Walmart growing up? I have a great story. I have an amazing what story when that the I Walmart forgot to tell. Up. Yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead. All Bedlam. It was Bedlam. You think yeah. you think OU and Oklahoma State's going to be Bedlam this weekend? No way, dude. Bedlam was when the Wally World opened in Parisburg. So I have a great story for y'all. Producer Randy, Laney, our great friend Emily Turner, and McGee showed up late. We were having uh, drinks before the Eric Church show on the veranda at the Hilton in Knoxville, Tennessee. And this gentleman, I could see him across the way taking a picture of me. So I waved at him, like across the, across the veranda. How you doing, buddy? I could just, I saw him taking a picture. And he got up, he sauntered over there. And he had on a Virginia Tech football cardigan. 
And I'm like, hell yeah, go Hokies, man. I said, you're brave wearing that in these parts. He goes, I have been meaning to, I have wanted to meet you for so long. He said, he's probably, I'm going to say, I don't want to date. He was my parents' age group. And had an amazing white beard, looked like Ernest Hemingway. Great white head of white hair. And he walks over and he says, I could not wait to meet you. He said, I live in the New River Valley. I built Giles High School. He built my high school in 1961. Isn't that awesome? Go Spartans, by golly. Speaking of Walmarts, I remember when uh, my town got the first Walmart. We have more than one stoplight, so we're not that small. What town did you grow up in? Athens? Huh? No, I grew up in Lima, Ohio. Lima. Lima. Spelled like spelled like Lima. Yeah. I would have uh, said Lima. The first Walmart, uh, Amy Van Dyke and the uh, Olympic swimmer was going to be there as like the uh, the person, to, the celebrity to sign autographs. And I believe there was going to be a Cinnabon uh, in there or something. But like it was massive. I wanted to uh, go the day and get her autograph, but my parents made me go to school instead. So they someone took my I had a medal. And had her sign it. But yeah, the Walmart opening up was like the talk of the town. And now they're just. Do y'all have a Walmart, Wes? Do we have one? Yeah. Like in in Athens? Yeah, we have one. It's on the east side. It's it's a long way away from where I live. But yes, we have one. And my Walmart story is uh, my relatives who live in Logan, West Virginia. When they got their Walmart, they canceled school. And the That's marching smart. band, the marching band showed up and played <laughs> in the parking lot before uh, the fabulous. ribbon was cut to let people in. Yeah. All right, I got one more Walmart story. Walmart needs so, a fight song. Walmart has a fight song. A uh, hundred years ago, <laughs> when I was at Radford University, um, I met this girl, this beautiful girl, at this frat party. <clears throat> And we became really close friends, and it, there wasn't you know, a whole lot of interest in, like, dating each other. And I was chasing another girl, but we became friends, and, like, I really thought this girl was really cool. And so I said to her, I said, hey, my buddy and me are going to go to Wally World. You want to come? We're going to go to Wally World. And so this girl, she got dressed up real pretty, and she put on makeup and just looked like a – um, I mean, just a dream. And she got in my buddy's Chevy Blazer, and and we drove over to the Wally World. And we walked into the Wally World, and we walked around a few aisles and looked at some and decided, you know what? I think we're going to maybe buy. Maybe we'll buy us an Icy or a Slushy. Or maybe there used to be these uh, sweet tart suckers that we, we would buy. And that was the whole reason to go to the Wally World was just to like walk around and check stuff out and maybe buy a Super Bowl and throw it as hard as we could at the New River Valley Mall parking lot. Did she think that she was going somewhere else? Laney Kakosa Smith thought she was going to an amusement park, son. The oh, Wally World. Oh, Laney. A fictional and amusement park. It did not Lampoon. take long, gentlemen, for her to realize, holy crap, this guy is a redneck. But – so now I've got a question about Lainey, though. She thought, why did she get dressed up to go to an amusement park, though? If you're going to go to an amusement park, like, 
You're not getting drunk. I don't know, man. You went to field trips at an amusement park. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now question like, and Lainey still wanted to date you. She did. I don't know why. I mean, I've always been married to me for 21 and a half years. We've been together for 25 years, dude. I don't. I think it was the dimples. It It was the dimples. It must have been Mm. the dimples. But she was the one. Um, I mean, Lainey was the one that started the scruff. Lainey likes scruff on guys. So I think she's going to be happy, actually, that I'm growing my beard. I mean, she's pot committed at this point. So to your dumb ass. So uh, you mentioned casseroles and you kind of lost me. That was a great soliloquy. Uh, (laughs) Travis, dude, Marty just spilled his guts here about Appalachia. And you're going to zero in on casseroles. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on Thanksgiving mode right now. What's like your, oh what's the one ca- the side dish that you you must have this week? Lead us off. I, I have to have my uh, mac and cheese. I have to have it. Is that a family recipe, or are you going to buy like craft shells and cheese? So, I need like the family one, but I have nothing against the craft macaroni and cheese. I, and it was our victory fuel at Giles High School in 1993. And then I YouTube Jack Wads were born. I won't consider this like a Not true a, a Thanksgiving staple, but my aunt makes homemade noodles that I'll take the uh, mashed potatoes, then I'll take the spoon and make a crater, <clears throat> then I take the noodles, pour them in there, and then y'all do it different, man. You have noodles at Thanksgiving. I have noodles all the time. They're but give me. Uh, mac and cheese and a, a green bean casserole. That's what I need. Do you sprinkle like the string onions the onion on strings. top of the green yeah. bean casserole? You, you That's need, a requisite. Yeah, you have to have it. And the mac and cheese, you need some sort of uh, crumb or something on the top to give it a little texture. Bread crumbs or yeah, something? Yeah, little bread crumbs or something. My mom crunches up Ritz crackers. Yeah, that's what, granny, that's what my granny did. Yeah, my Mimi. She used to make this, we called it hot chicken salad. And what it was, was it was like cream of mushroom soup. It was, you take chicken breasts and you chunk them. Uh, you, you, you know, you cut them into, into cube, you cube them. And you throw that in there. And you have uh, cheese, Ritz crackers. And on the top, she would put cornflakes. Or frosted flakes sometimes to give it a little bit Ooh, of a hint that's of good sweet. One. Yes. And then you bake it. And it was just completely off the chain. What, Wes, what are you going with? Wes is contemplating uh, this with great he's, I think he's like, wait, he's like trying to decide on which meal to pick, knowing that he might offend like a, an ant that makes a different side dish that she thinks should be the number one pick. That happens. That happens at every family table. You already said mac and cheese. That was going to be mine. That's what my mom makes. But my grandmother makes uh, red rice. It's this rice. It's it's called red rice. And it has uh, like curry in it. It's kind of spicy. And that's her thing. That's what she's always made. And um, she's not able to really make it this year. She's not not like she's not doing the best. um, But she'll be present. It's all right. She'll be there, but my mom is doing it, and uh, she's feeling a lot of pressure right now to step oh, up to the plate. That's and knock like the red rice out of the park. So we'll see how she does. 
that's yeah that's uh that's a lot of pressure to come in there and it is you don't want to get yeah. to you blow it and then you get benched from doing it in the future but but that's what i'm, I'm looking do, forward to i love sweet potatoes you i, I, I know it because you're eat them all the time nut. i'm a sweet potato guy bake them nuke them don't care but sweet potato casserole at thanksgiving is a delicacy of colossal and historic proportions it has to be and and i am a little bit of, of a nerd when it comes to my diet but on thanksgiving you can offer some latitude it has to be lathered in butter it has to be lathered in cinnamon it has to have candied pecans or pecans depending on where you come from atop the delicacy and you throw it in the pit boss and you smoke it and son it is heavenly um i'm also going to smoke and grill some salmon uh as well i know that's an odd i know that's an odd uh, we'll have we'll have turkey too i mean look you'll never meet anybody that loves thanksgiving dinner more than me i love it so much that my mother-in-law sally kakoza makes thanksgiving on christmas now because we all get together for Christmas. At Thanksgiving, it's Laney's brother Mike and his family. They come down to Charlotte, and we spend Thanksgiving together that way. But at Christmas, the whole family's together. And so Sally makes Thanksgiving on Christmas. But I mean, me, think, think, for me. Thanksgiving and Christmas meals are basically one and the same. Very There's a lot of overlap. You just don't have the turkey, the turkey. necessarily. We do. How What's do you... y'all's Christmas go to? Ham? We have uh yeah we got the HBH, honey baked oh. ham. Oh, a good ham. Now, uh, stuffing. Are you guys pro stuffing? Don't need it. I, I don't think need it. I think it's worthless. I think it just fills you it. up on crap. That yeah, it's another carb on the plate. I'll take some, but I'm not. I don't need it. No, it's, it is uh, not a necessity in any way, shape, or form. It is an extra if it's there. I might have just a little dabble. A <laughs> little bit of a smidge of it on there, a little spoonful, but I don't need stovetop. I certainly like if I don't need anybody working extra hard to make homemade stuffing. Um, oh, no, no. Do y'all do like a beer can turkey? No, I was going to ask you. My dad you... does it on the egg. He does it on the big green egg. And in my, awesome. um, I send him a pit boss. What beer do you uh, no, use no, for you it? Budweiser, red label Budweiser. Wes, is there some like local Athens beer that you guys use? Uh, we'll Wes do probably uses claw. what I just downed. <laughs> Did you say a white claw? We'll do a white claw turkey. <laughs> 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 no, nah, I'm just messing around. My dad, uh, my dad will do probably a, a Bud Budweiser. Yeah, for sure. And then my cousin-in-law fries it. So I've got the best of both worlds. That's my in-laws awesome. Thanksgiving. Turkey. We got the fried turkey. Mine, we got the smoked. So. Well, that's, I think you, it's good that you mentioned frying. I think, you know, we need to PSI. Be careful PSI, if you're frying PSI your with everybody please. out there. Uh, Hillbilly Headlines is a fun staple on Mario McGee, but we don't want any Hillbilly Headlines around you deep frying a turkey and it going yeah. around. Oh, the bird. Thaw it out and then also think about oil displacement when you put the bird in there. Just Those don't. videos are funny, though. I can't <laughs> lie, man. The videos are funny when the old boys put the bird in the pot before she's all the way thawed and a towering inferno results out there on the deck. Be careful oh, now. Yeah. Seriously. 
Thaw the bird. That's the name of the Thaw episode. The bird. I think. Marty, yeah. are you, are you as your as the Smith family the uh, the turkey trot family that goes out and does the run before in the morning? I don't know if we will this year. I've always been extremely neurotic about making sure that I get my uh, turkey trot in at least a 5K. For many years, I did a 10K because I'm a tryhard. And this year, uh, I I mean, there's 5Ks all over all over the area where I live. So I may get a wild hair and, and do it. Why wouldn't I? I mean, it makes a little bit of room for the red wine I'm going to drink all no, day. See, that's, What's y'all's elixir of choice on Thanksgiving? Brown water. Brown water. All right, that's cool. What kind? It just depends what's around. I Jack, mean, my dad. Jack Daniels, we love you. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Travis is right. It is a Jack Daniels Thanksgiving at our it place. It doesn't have to be a Jack. No, listen, it doesn't have to be a Jack Thanksgiving. It can be whatever you like. We just happen to have relationships with Jack. And so they sent us some cool sweaters yeah. and some hats and some. I've been enjoying other... some Basil, Basil Hayden's and Angel's Envy lately that's angels envy is great what do you think closet. yeah what do you think i'm gonna drink marty tito's and tonic nope. soda soda tito's and soda i always forget what your we don't is. we don't need tonic it's I, I hate it the worst though is when you order tito's and soda and you get like a new bartender and it comes and it's a uh, tito's and sprite well mm. i know one thing i bet old toby keith will eat all of it I bet he's got some brown. I bet he has a lot of brown water. I bet old Toby Keith will drink some daggum single barrel. Hey boys, ninety-four proof. I think I'm. I think I'm on here, but uh, uh, I've been messing around back here and uh, check this out. Uh Boys got a studio cam. Look at that guy, Brandon. Yep, and uh, I have. I I know, right? And I have a. uh, I have a story to tell. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, All right. About five years ago, before I was a the whiskey connoisseur that I am now, uh, allegedly in the uh, height of my wedding photography days, uh, I had a bride who uh, wanted to work a deal with me to shoot her rehearsal dinner. She just happened to be the daughter of a pretty big distributor here in town, and uh, said she could hook me up with some nice bourbon. So I thought, why not? You know, that that'd be cool. I'm not. I'm kind of into bourbon. That'd be fun. And uh, so she shows up at the rehearsal dinner hands me a bag and uh i open it up and looks like two pretty good bottles uh pappy van winkle 15 year and a van winkle 13 year reserve rye here uh which are very very hard to get Uh, Uh, but again i'm i'm i know it's good but i'm not extremely well versed and uh so i decided to take it to my in-laws for thanksgiving and uh Biggest mistake of my life. Let me just tell she you go. that. I walked into the room, set it down in front of my father-in-law and my two brothers-in-law, uh, walked out of the room, came back about 25 minutes later, and both of them were three quarters down. And uh, I, will, I will regret it for the rest of my life. you know what you could have sold that for? Oh, I do know exactly I mean, what I could have sold it for. <laughs> what is it, 2500 bucks? Somewhere oh, around in there, Brandon? Uh, I mean... Retail is supposed to be around 120, but yeah, yeah you could sell it. You could sell it for easy that, for sure. So, all right. So let's discuss this real quick. Um, I have a story about Pappy too. So okay, everybody has everybody had it. I've never had, had it. Tried Pappy 15. I've, ne- I've never tried it. No, I've had I've had Rip and I've had 
10. Yeah. So it's, it's very good. I had it for the first time, actually, this year. I went to the, Was it with Wright Thompson? Uh, it was not with Wright Thompson. I went to the Quail Hollow Championship on Thursday with my buddy. Here's name drop time. Watch your toes. My buddy Jason Seahorn that played for the Giants and the Rams in the NFL for a while. He's, he lives in Charlotte here. He's a good buddy of mine. And Jason and I went to a friend of his house who lived on the course. And we get there, and he's like, what you want, brother? And I said, I'd love to just have some bourbon, whiskey. He goes, all right, man, just go look in that bottom drawer in there. So I go in, and I pull out the bottom drawer of this guy's, like, liquor area. And in the bottom drawer is an unopened bottle of Pappy 15. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and I just set it to the side. So I did go back in there, and I'm digging around, and there was like some Buffalo Trace, which I love. So I grabbed the Buffalo Trace, and I'm going to make myself like a Buffalo Trace mule. He comes in. He's like, you don't want to pappy? I said, I can't drink that. He goes, why not? I said, we just met. Like, that's a special occasion bourbon. I can't, I can't do it. You can't it. open that up? No. He goes, who gives a crap? Open it. I'm like, seriously? I said, well, you got you to gotta like have one with me. So we open it, we pour a little bit, and I taste it, and it's, I, I think, Brandon, it's 104 proof, right? It depends. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, it's more than that, I think. I think it's 107. It might be 107. All I know is it's really good. It's really good whiskey, but I'm going to tell you what, it ain't worth no $2,500. I mean, I don't. Well, we've been I trying to under, put. Brandon, yeah, we've been trying to put Brandon up to this taste test. And I don't know if Pappy's going to be in the mix here, Brandon, but do you think you could taste Pappy in a blind taste test beside, I don't know, let's say. He probably hasn't had it enough um, to be able to know. You don't think so? I'm guessing he hasn't had a ton of Pappy in his life. 100% I could tell. Okay, never mind. Yeah, well, of course you're saying that now. But we're going <laughs> to we're gonna push you to the test. I, uh... I can't wait for that. The, the, for the record, though, uh, he says that he can do five. I think early on the an earlier pot, I said ten. Uh, confirmed it at actual. It started out as five, and that's what it is. That's also concerned about uh, his well being because if he's taking ten shots that quick of time, uh, it's not shot. It's like no. finding the notes and tasting it shots but are a different deal i uh my dad was visiting me i was up in connecticut and we went out to lunch and we're at some whiskey uh some barbecue place that was also a whiskey restaurant and these two elderly gentlemen were there and one guy just retired like this was his first day off and so they each ordered a full shot of pappy and i the the bill for it was just ungodly that's where you're just going to lose me on the bill. Like I, it might be good, but I, I, I can't pay it. Yeah. I can't, I, uh, again, I mean, it was, it was wonderful. And I was so grateful for his generosity and having the opportunity to fellowship with him over that amazing drink. But I mean, I just can't see, I don't understand how the market, I don't understand how the market defines that. I know it's all supply and demand and it's hard to get and, all those things, but that's an awful lot of that's an awful lot of money. When uh, maybe if we men maybe if we mention them enough that they'll be the next uh, people to send us stuff. <laughs> Don't hold your breath, homie. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't wait on that one. All right, y'all, we got to shut up.
we've been talking for how long we've been talking like 75 minutes long enough yeah we've been talking a long time i love that though i think people enjoy it people enjoy hearing us bs i don't mind it sit here drink me too <laughs> uh, i'm on my second beer uh i really appreciated my time with toby keith y'all are going to really enjoy this too part two includes him telling me why it was time to record a new album his perspective on current country music and country radio and how in the sam hill red solo cup became a phenomenon i i always wondered that like how can you take that song and it make it to the top 20 on the billboard hot 100 chart here's part two with toby keith on outsider y'all enjoy should have been a cowboy he ain't worth missing a little less talk. Wish I didn't know. Who's that man upstairs downtown? How do you like me now? Kiss me like this. Want to talk about me? My list, courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Beer for my horses. I love this bar. American soldier. Whiskey girl. Stays in Mexico. Good as I once was. She never cried in front of me. Lost you anyway. American ride. Beers ago. I mean, dude, that is bananas. Your catalog is unbelievable. So, I want to get to Red Solo. I was just about to say it. I want to get to that in a minute. Okay. 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 That catalog, the, just the that's just the songs that I that like I thought of off the top of my head. Okay. I want to know which ones of those you feel like define the career you've had. Well, the most important one, in my opinion, was should have been a cowboy. And the reason I say that. They signed when I came to town. There was probably ten major labels there. It was always between nine and twelve. There was some smaller ones that had some success, but there's probably ten majors. And between those ten, they probably signed or twelve. They they signed about two hundred new acts a year. So they would throw everything out, and they would kind of, you know, they say in January we're going to throw what we think is our first round draft pick out. And then March, they'd throw another one out. June, they'd throw another one out. By the end of the year, if something didn't stick, can it? And then boom, they'd come with the next year. Well, there would only be five of those 200 acts that really made a difference. There'd be a few get a second chance and they might bust through uh, in that next group. But that other 195 went away. And now they're deemed damaged goods. Damaged, yeah. So you know, they capillary tried him. Why would we want to sign that guy? They've already run a bunch of money up him, and he didn't he didn't fly. So he move on. Well, Cowboy came right out of the box and established me in such a big way that it gave me time to learn and grow because I was green, and I didn't know what the competition level was. I didn't know how good you had to be. You know, like here I'd written my whole life, this first album, and I've had a number one and a top five and another number one. I've got my fourth single coming out. And I think it was either Wish I Didn't Know Now or A Little Less Talk. And we're ready to go. And they come and say, hey, we need to start another album. And I'm like, you guys just took all my songs. It took my whole life to write those. And you want me to come with another album. So I went to work right then and wrote Who's That Man? So I know I had a first single. And then I started hammering out that second album. And looking back on it, it was rushed more than the first one because it had to be. But I did have a number one or two off of it. 
And by the time I got that album out, I didn't mess around after that. I knew I had to have a year to prepare. So I started immediately delivering that album, moving on to the next one. Well, these other great events would have never happened had Cowboy not laid that foundation that this, this was built on. Uh, it gave me some breathing room to make mistakes, to learn, to figure it out. Whereas if you don't have that, I got to get it right the next single or you're not going to hear from me again. What does having a rocket strapped to your ass immediately like that do to your life? It was a blur because you're, you're so busy that uh, you really don't know. And I, and I had Harold there, Harold Shedd, was always pointing out to me where other people had made mistakes. They basically step on their own pecker. You know what I mean? <laughs> he goes, you know, he would show me other people's careers and say, look where this person was and here's what he did. Don't make these mistakes, you know? So I learned to fight good fights. If I was going to buck the system, pick my battles and I only fought the good fights. I fought for like, I turned into How You Like Me Now album and I hadn't been getting along with the president. The president didn't want me on that first, that first tour that I went on was called the triple play. And it was me and Shania Twain and a dude named John Brennan. And when I signed with Mercury, it was a different president there. Harold was the vice president, but he was head of creativity. He was head of creative. So Harold wanted me to go as their male artist. This new guy comes in and he wants Shania to be the female. And he wants this other guy to be the male. And this guy just got signed and Harold refused to put him in the batting order in front of me. He said, this guy's waited a year and a half. I'm not telling him wait anymore. His album's ready. So they agreed to disagree. They took both budgets and they put us all three on the road with one band. And we did probably 25 or 30 cities, listener appreciation stuff for radio stations. And they put all three of our singles out and did survival of the fittest. And of course, Cowboy took over. Well, now I've got bad blood with the, with the other guy, but I'm hitting his bottom line. Well, then Harold went over and took over Polydor, a different label, a sister label, and he took me with him. And then Harold retired. I didn't want to go back to Mercury because I knew I wouldn't have any support there. So A&M came in and took over. So my first three albums were on three different labels. And then they folded those up and stuck me back at Mercury. I lasted about two years. They weren't wanting me to play what I was writing. They were wanting me to do different stuff. They wanted me to be different. And I went in one day and I turned in the How You Like Me Now album. And they said, we don't have a hit. We don't hear a hit on here. So they pulled two songs off of it and did a, my first greatest hits. Basically, just hoard it out. You know what I mean? They just took two songs and took that money off the table from the first four albums. So those first four albums got cherry picked out. They pulled a couple off the album, ran a single out there and said, now deliver another album. Well, I just went and replaced those two songs and turned the same album. In. And they said, this same album you turned in. I said, no, I replaced those two songs. And they said, yeah, and they're not any good. I said, well, why are you guys keeping me on your label? Won't you, won't you kick me off the label? So they said, well, come back in two weeks. If you still won't be off the label, we'll let you go. And I said, no, let's don't wait two weeks because I don't want you to change your mind. Kick me off. So he said, all right, you're, you're off the label. And I said, can I take my album with me? They said, no, we've got a couple hundred grand tied up in it. I said, can I buy it? No one's ever asked that. 
They called me back next day, said, yeah. So I wrote them a $190,000 check. I took it and sold it to DreamWorks and signed with DreamWorks. We sold 4 million copies. And yeah. had that but one was a big you one. Pick, you got to pick your fight. And that didn't fight the industry. That fought my label. You know what I mean? You fought the man for the whole town. Yeah. And won. So no one got the industry didn't get upset with me for fighting against the label. And especially because I was right. What would you expect me to do? You know, I wasn't gonna sit over here and be dead. I went and fought for my we had the success we thought we would have with the album. We just weren't hearing the same things together, you know. You shouldn't kiss me like this. Country comes to town. Great song. Uh, there was three or four hits on that album. But anyway. Hey, like me now was a monster, but it could have never happened had I not built that foundation of, uh, you know, wish I didn't know now, should have been a cowboy. Who's that man? Does that blue moon ever shine on you? Dreamwalking, some of them songs. Laid the, uh, laid the groundwork that, that I wasn't a superstar, but I was a star, you know? And then once we finally got it rolling, then, then we poured it on. After that. All right. Before we get to your new uh your new record, I gotta hear about Red Solo Cup. All right, like how what was it? How did it unfold? How in the Sam Hell? Am I right? He got to 15 on the Billboard 100. Yeah, I think one chart might have got to six. Yeah, it didn't get <laughs> I mean, well. There was there was some how stations. did this happen, Toby? Well, there were some stations that just wouldn't play it, but so uh, these knuckleheads, the Warren brothers, they, uh, I've been hanging around them. They've done a lot of shows with us through the years and they're, they're, they're pretty zangy. They came to me one day and they said, we've got this song that we play out that people absolutely love. We can't get anybody to cut it. We've been to Tim and Kenny. We can't get anybody to cut it. You're the only guy to cut this. I said, well, let me hear it. I, I just laughed the first time I heard it. I thought it was hilarious. So I thought, okay, I'm going to cut it. Just to, just because you said, just because they said no one else will cut it. So the second I put it on hold, I said, now, I'm not going to be able to cut this for about six months. Second I put it on hold, they started calling up saying, now that you got it on hold, everybody's wanting to cut it. Because they're still playing it out in their, in their songwriter shows and it's getting a lot of attention. He said, but since you said you're going to cut it, we're going to let you. I said, all right. So I cut it. My partner at the time was Mark Wright, Universal South. Mark's written lots of number ones. Mark's produced. Probably, I think Mark's got over 100 number ones he's produced. Mark's daughter is a great friend of mine. She's married she to Eric Church's road manager. So, yeah. yeah, I know those guys. So I used to go. I used to go to Mark's house on BMI night after the BMI awards. We had everybody, a bunch of people go to Mark Wright's house. He wasn't on my label. And Mark's producing four or five big acts. And I would not go to my label party. I would go to Mark's deal. And he was with MCA. And he'd say, one of these days, me and you're going to work together. And I was like, I don't know how that's ever going to happen, but he loved me. And so years later when I had show dog, I opened show dog in 2005, when I left DreamWorks, I opened my own label in 2005. And Mark came over and merged with me and says, so put the deal Universal South, call it Universal Show Dog. 
or Showdog Universal. And he said, we'll merge and then I'll use your offices. So we became friends. So when I was in studio cutting Red Solo Cup, he dropped by because he's such a producer. He wants to come by and see what you're doing and, and stick his two cents in. And he goes, what in the hell is that you're cutting? And I said, <laughs> called Red Solo Cup. He goes, ain't nobody going to play that. I said, I don't care if they play it. I said, I'm cutting it. So he goes home, and the next day we're in the studio working. He comes in. He looks like hell. I mean, his eyes look like piss holes in the snow. <laughs> and I go, I go, dude. I go, dude. I go, you look like hell. What, what happened? And he said, I laid awake. I took an ambient and laid awake at four in the morning, staring at the ceiling, singing this earworm song you have. He goes, it's amazing. I can't get it out of my head. It's driving me crazy. I said, I told you. So we were going to Europe. And I had 20, I think I had 22 shows in Europe or something. And we're going to start in Scotland, go to London. I think we're in Edinburgh and then maybe Dublin and London, something like that. And then we're going to go into, into the, uh, into Germany, Scandinavia. We was going to do everything. And, uh, so when we left, we stopped in New York city and my manager was like, I'm afraid to put this out as a single. I said, well, let's just do a video and release it because there's this thing they're calling it could go viral no one really knew what viral meant then it wasn't before the word viral because this was 2011 i said we'll just see if everybody can just download it on youtube play it so i got roger clemens and larry bird lance burton the magician carrot top eric was in it eric was in it all my buddies came on board and uh and did something with a red solo cup, you know, Larry Bird spun one on his finger, like a basketball Clemens caught a baseball in it. The magician gravitated it and, and, and just had a wacky video. And then I put the Beaver brothers and the Warren brothers that wrote it in the video with me at that house party dropped in New York, hit a good morning America type show, played it, uh, and took off and, we got to Germany and I was worried about Germany because I'd been to Europe for, but I'd never had language barrier. Even when you're in Oslo, there's still enough English there that they can get it. But I thought that German language barrier would be really hard to overcome. So here we are in Germany 20 days later and I do solo cup and there's like 60 frat age, like a frat party in the back. And they're throwing red cups everywhere. They're singing it word for word. And I'm like, how in the hell can, can they know that? And where did they get the red solo cup? So after the show, I asked, he said, they went on the internet two weeks ago and bought a bunch and have them waiting on your show. So we get done with the song, place going crazy. I start into I Love This Bar, and I'm about second verse on I Love This Bar, and I just start hearing this noise that's throwing me off and it's out of sync. And I go, whoa, 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 guys. And everybody stopped. They're in the back still singing Red <laughs> Solo Cup. Okay. So I go, all right, let's do one more verse of it. So I do another verse, let them sing the chorus. And then we went on with the show. They were happy. But it's like that song beat me to Germany. So I knew coming back that I thought, well, at least it's an international hit. And when I came back, Ryan Seacrest had made it his big syndicated show. He made it the spring break song of the year. He was teaching everybody the lyric and the thing just exploded. It was just 
it's crazy. And then I had radio stations call going, is this your single? And I was like, no, but they were having to play it. It was crazy. Yep. They had no choice. Yeah. They had no choice. All right. Uh, brand new project. Uh, what should we expect from it? I cannot, I mean, I've listened to it. It's awesome. What, what should, what should our folks expect? Well, I went, uh, in 2014 or 15, I told you I put an album out every year. So Solo Cup was around 2011 or 12. I hosted that CMT award show. I did one in 06 or 07, me and Pam Anderson. And then in 11 or 12, me and Kristen Bell came riding out in a giant 10-foot red Solo Cup and hosted the CMT video show, award show. I came back in 15, and they said they want you to perform your new single at the time, and Cole Swindell's going to come up. Um, who I know, and he's going to do Willie's part, and y'all going to do beer from my horses. I said, okay. So I went up there and did it. I got done. Went to the bus. They said, uh, hey, the pro producers are asking if you want to come in and give away the video, male video of the year. I said, sure. So I go in. They give me a script. said, this is what you're going to say. Open this card. Read the winner. So I'm walking backstage where I've walked for 25 years, where I had just been four years before. And I didn't know a single soul in the whole arena. I didn't know anybody. I didn't see anybody in my business I recognized. Wow. But I looked over at my manager and I said, who are all these people? And he goes, these are artists and their bands and their managers and booking agents and family. I said, I don't know anybody back here. He goes, it's really changed. So I put that album out and got zero airplay. It's just like, we don't play your kind of music no more. So I was like, cool. So I didn't do anything 16, 17, 18, 19, COVID hit. And all of a sudden during the pandemic, everybody that had big catalogs started getting intense streaming. Yep. And it was like they were listening to comfort music. They wanted comfort music, is what they were calling. And a couple of uh, big time uh, program directors that are major influences of their, they influence the chart pretty heavy. They contacted us and they said, there's four or five of you guys that are still able to make albums, good albums that we, we would like an album from you. And I was like, you won't play it. Why do I want to go bust my home? I can go tour. Have, you know, I can play anywhere. And then I can take my winter off and golf, fish, go to Cabo, whatever I want to do. Why do I want to spend a year getting ready for an album? I said, no, after this pandemic and the way things have been streaming, we think we, think we, we, think we can get you played. So I went in and did an album. And uh, it's called Pace on My Pocket. I wrote part of it while I was down in Mexico. I kind of weathered the pandemic storm in Mexico because I was outdoor a lot. I wanted to be outdoor. Wrote the thing, turned it in, uh, got two or four songs that um, I'd always wanted to record that I, my own songs had gotten in the way. I'd written songs and didn't want to leave them off the table. So I just put an album together. I had four or five things I wrote. I took four or five things. I wanted to do a tribute to John Prine. It was a big... Mm -hmm. Hero of mine, he passed away during pandemic. So I did a John Prine song, cut a couple other things. And we went in and, and uh, 
and uh, got to single out old school and it's climbing the chart. So they're actually, they're actually playing it. I love it, man. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and your, and your insight. We really appreciate it. Know how slammed you are and, uh, certainly got a lot going on. So to take the time to spend, hell, I think I kept you an hour, Toby. I'm going to send you. Okay. You, you can put the bill in the mail, brother. Uh, thank you. Just thank You're you welcome. so much for your work and, and your time. We're grateful, brother. Thank you. Tell, tell Ronnie hi for me. Thanks so much to Toby for his time. I mean, I, I think he gave us, I don't even know how much time. He gave, you like, 50, he gave you like 50 minutes. 50 minutes? A lot, Toby. Though, feel With bad. that icon. Feel, that guy's I, an icon. Y'all. I feel bad for him because when we taped it, Oklahoma was undefeated. Then they lost. We had to cut a little bit of that out. And now his Sooners are just kind of trying to hold on. So He probably blames me. That's all right. I can handle it. I got broad shoulders. If he blames you, he can come on and he can uh, blame you on the pot again. I mean, what I love about Toby is he don't give one half a damn about what other people think about his convictions. And in this world, that's, I mean, there's a lot of people who posture in today's world. Like, Toby's not posturing. He believes what he says. And, uh, man, has he had some run-ins throughout his career. We all know about the Dixie Chicks deal. I thought it was really cool in part one for him to share with us, like, his thoughts about all of that and that type of feedback. There's very few people that genuinely don't care what others think and they just go about their life and he is one of those guys it's a very very freeing way to live i wish i had that trait i don't and i care way too damn much what people think about me thanks so much toby appreciate you two knuckleheads three knuckleheads appreciate you three knuckleheads uh hanging out with me and, and sharing your lives it's fun Thank, to, thank you to every one of you guys for listening. We need y'all to help us grow this thing. Be fearless. Send it to your friends if you liked it. Leave a review. Send it over right now. Travis, what do they do? Uh, I, well, go on Apple and leave a five-star review. If you've got uh, maybe a, if you have a guest recommendation of someone that we have on or a topic that you might want us to talk about, leave a, if you leave a five-star review, uh, I will see it. Yep, Travis checks that stuff cool. out. He's very diligent. He's done a great job of securing us guests. Uh, Kent Babb, who wrote Across the River, it's a book that I mentioned on here in an earlier episode. It's about high school football in New Orleans and the refuge that is that platform for those young men and uh, how Bryce Brown, the head coach at Carr High School, uh, helps those young men have purpose and have direction it's a phenomenal book and i can't wait to chat with kent about the process i'm fascinated by the process being an author myself of what it was like to go to new orleans 19 times or 20 times in a calendar year to spend time and dive into the lives of the people in that book uh not only that Travis tells me that he just secured LV Shane. We're trying to lock in a, a day and time. Whoa. Okay. If y'all not heard, if y'all have not heard this record, it's called Backslider. I can't recommend it higher. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, I have been listening to it, and when I was in Athens last week on my four-hour-plus drive home up I-85, 
I put it on a loop and I listened and I listened and I listened and I listened and I consumed and I felt it. I felt the record. And I sent it to these two boys and said, y'all got to listen to this. Uh, it's, a fun, it's a great record. And I can't wait to chat with him about it and the process of making it. So we have great guests on the horizon, and that's just two of them. I got Travis trying to get Dina Carter. want to talk to her about strawberry wine and how much that was a formative song in my youth in a lot of ways. And... Um, just chat with Dina. So Travis is on that case right now uh, as well. So thank you so much to our law enforcement officials. We're so grateful for the work you guys do to keep our community safe. Thank you to our first responders, our firemen, uh, EMTs who run into the danger to save others. And speaking of running into the danger, thank you for the sacrifice that every single veteran and every single active member of the United States military offers us. We are free, and that is the greatest of blessings. Have an amazing week again. Please, what do they do, Travis? They rate, review, follow. They rate, review, follow. Hit us up on social media. Tell us what you think. We post clips of this podcast. We want y'all's feedback. At Travis Rockhold, right? Yep. All right. At Wes and Ship, spell that for those of us who can't. Wes underscore the letter in the word ship. And at Marty Smith ESPN. Let us know what you think. How can we make it better? Heaven knows we can. We're trying to grow a community. That's what we're trying to do here at Outsider. We're championing small towns. We love country music. We love high school and college football. We love the Southland. We love America. So y'all hang out with us. We appreciate it. Tell all your buddies. This is the Marty Smith Podcast on Outsider. We'll try better next time around. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. God bless you. Thaw America. the bird. Bye, Delonica. Thaw the bird! <laughs> <laughs>